Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, we are on. Let's do this. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Episode four. Episode four is where we're at. Today, July 5th. Big fan. Nope, I'm sorry. We're going to delete this. Today, July the 6th, big fan of Mondays. For those of you that are just joining with the coach, Monday's a big day for me because it's the day everything happens on Mondays. Everybody's back to work, so all the deals, all the good stuff, all the sponsors, every movement we can make happen, happen on Monday. So I always have looked forward to Mondays. So in celebration of Mondays being my day, I had to come very strong with our guest for today. But before I say that, please make sure you tune into our last episode. If you haven't checked it out yet, check it out, my man, Lou Janelle. Legend, legend in the wine game, baseball cards, fantasy baseball, life, little Gary V here and there. My man, Lou Gino, you got to check that one out if you haven't taken the chance. Now, today, we have a special, and I mean special, dude. What I try to do with this show and what I'm going to do and continue to do over and over and over again is I'm going to bring people in that I like their stories. A mistake I see a lot of people that do podcasts do is they just try to find people that have a big following, that have a lot of clout, and put them on their podcasts. And it's kind of like this little podcast community of little podcasters putting each other in the little world. That's not the coach's style. The more people I can bring on here in all walks of life, different point of views, different stories, the better. Because all I want is one person, boy, girl, adult, teenager, anybody to hear one of these stories and go, wait a minute, if I can, he can, or the other way around. If he could, I could. He did that. I like that because not everybody, not all of us are meant to be the star athlete, the star singer, the star entrepreneur, the star gamer. No, some of us are the ones that find the stars. Some of us are the ones that bring the stars together. So it's a lot of stuff in this world, especially now in today's era. It's not like before. Now, as long as you find a passion and you attack it, you don't worry about the small stuff, sky's the limit. And if there's an example of that today, is my man, Kurt, today's guest, to start off with, the fact that your name's Kurt and you're Cuban is a big plus because I love tricking them. I love them thinking a Kurt's going to show up 
And then a Cuban dude, a Cuban Kirk comes in. Big fan of that. This dude happens to go to Columbus, happens to have gone to Columbus High School. Started in so many routes, a little bit in the music business, then a little bit of athlete. Then he sold some, brokered some yachts for a little bit. And then he got a brilliant idea one day. I'm going to bring reggaeton, reggaeton to Miami Beach. Back then, it wasn't too many places jamming that it was all like senior frogs in the grove or like like a watcha here in the way 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 west you weren't getting too many hot acts back then but this dude found a way reached out to the man of south beach mr Dre, dave grutman said listen i want to put on a spanish night at story i'm gonna make it happen became friends with a singer named Zion. Zion performed, crushed it. Then that led to movement, not instant success, but movement, movement. And then as you'll hear there, one day, an artist by the name of Ozuna was playing at the Hard Rock, reached out, they reached out to Kurt. Would you want the after party at Story? He's like, oh, I'll take your after party and story. Just come on down. They're like, perfect. By the way, another very young artist, up and coming dude named Benito is going to come with me. If you don't mind, he's going to perform. He's like, for sure. And that night set the tone for this dude being one of the biggest connectors in the industry, in the city for sure, Miami. Vegas, before Corona hit, this is a story that I could go on and on about this dude. And then that little dude, Benito, that performed, became Bad Bunny. And that set this guy on a whole different level. So without further to do, in today's episode of the Coach HP Show with my man, Kurt. Tabuada. Let's go. Like, what are we going to do about this fucking Cubano from the south, downtown of South Florida, putting together the firm with the palm trees behind him? He's a monster. He's controlling the market. Second, three, two, one, boom, and we're on. There we go. What's going on, dude? How are you, brother? Nice to meet you. Likewise, bro. Now, first question, dude. Are you Cuban? Yeah. <laughs> How does the Cuban get a name like Kurt, bro? Because I love, love, love the idea of tricking people and having an American name and being Cuban. So talk to me about that, bro. Well, it's, it's not really Kirk. It's Kerk to the Cuban people. So, <laughs> but... Um, yeah. I got a lot of Kirk, I get Kirk, Kurt. I mean, it's it gets abused. But um, my mom and my dad were, I guess, were big Michael Douglas fans, and you know, they thought, hey, here's Kirk Douglas, his son. So uh, here comes Kirk Allen, which is even crazier. Kirk. So they were big Michael Douglas. So they named you after his dad, Kurt Douglas. 
Yeah. Or have you, uh, yeah, Kirk, yeah, exactly. It has to be Kirk because he's the old man. Yeah. Hey, have you seen any Kirk Douglas movies? Nothing, huh? No. You can't name one movie of the Actually, they were Kirk Douglas fans and they even have the Kirk some relajo like that, bro. You know how you know how it is. I know how it is, bro. Trust me, dude. Listen, there's a couple things about you that I like already a lot, man. So these are facts. Number one. I love having an American name and being Cuban. It's like we're tricking them. You know what I'm saying? They don't see us when we're coming. I love that. Yeah. Number two, you're a Columbus guy. Yeah. I love, 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 love that, which we're going to get into that. And number three, you're a nightclub guy. Yeah. I used to be a nightclub guy in <laughs> Las Vegas, bro. So, so, so we're going to get into that too. But let's take it a little bit from the beginning, bro. Were you born here or you were born in Cuba? No, no, I was born here, um, born and raised here, never moved anywhere else, never went. I went to college here. Um, I went to middle school, everything here. Uh, my mom was born in Cuba. My dad was born in Cuba, but my grandfather, my dad's side, and my grandparents were born in Spain. And then my grandparents from my mom's side were born in uh, Lebanon, which so I have an Arabic side to me, too. So, so, you're, so you have like, like, a, like Emilio Stefan. Exactly. You got that <laughs> Lebanese fire, huh? Yeah, dude, where'd you go to middle school, elementary? Where'd you go? I started um, elementary and middle. I went to St. Hugh in Coconut Grove. Yes. Um, so I was local and then eighth grade. I shot over to Columbus and then from Columbus, I went to FIU. Uh, took me a little bit to graduate from FIU. You know, I was right. a little on and off process, but I finally did it. And, you know, I got my diploma. But for people that don't know, FIU is a club too. They, just, yeah, they yeah. don't know it yet. It's his own thing, you know. <laughs> it's his own little world there, bro. Yeah. That little student that section, whatever it's called, that thing, that thing's out of control, man. That it's thing's out of control. Or whatever it's called, yeah. Let's talk about Columbus, bro. I, I'm a Columbus fake because I would have <laughs> died. I'm on forro. I'm on forro with Columbus, and I'll tell you why. I would have died to have gone to Columbus. But I went to a school called Braddock. But Coach Weber coached me a year at, at Braddock. And I built a very good bond with him in 96. I graduated in 97. I'm a little bit older than you guys. Yeah. Bro, and from there, I've always had a bond with him. And then when I came back into town, one of the first, before I started anything on social, I visited him and I helped out at Columbus with baseball. Nice. Then I don't know if, do you know Omar Delgado? Yeah, of course. So Omar, I start. I spoke at CCNN to his uh, young team. I did it two years in a row, and bro, this past year Weber allowed me to speak to the baseball team for the first time. Wow. I'm like, bro, I'm an established speaker already. But trust, I get paid to do this, bro. Like, give me a chance, bro. And and he not and he's the best, bro. He goes, yeah. He gave me some really good compliments, and then they they needed a speaker to speak to the freshman class and sophomore class. And Mr. Pugh brought me in to speak oh, to the whole wow. school. And that set me off big time. And they go, listen, after that, you're an honorary Columbus guy. Because I would always say with tears that I would have died to wear that Columbus uniform because that's so, so much respect for you guys and the brotherhood, man, that it's so powerful. How did you experience that, Kurt? Talk to me about what was it like? Did you feel it back then when you were a kid? I mean, from... I went into ninth grade. I started at summer school. You know, I was one of those kids that my mom was like, hey, look, I want you to go to summer school. I want you to meet people. I want you because St. Hugh was tiny, man. St. Hugh was 300 kids in the entire school. There was 28 to 30 kids per class. 
So I was like in a little bubble, you know, I, I didn't really know too many people outside of the school except for my neighbors and people from the neighborhood. So when I started at Columbus, it was kind of just like a, a shock. You know, Josh was actually one of the people that I knew prior to go to Columbus. Um, and when I got there, you know, I had to wear a tie. I didn't know how to make a tie. You know, it was like it was like a culture shock. Like, hey, you're going to be all guys. But I always knew that I wanted to go to school there because I had heard such great things. And I was into baseball and I was into basketball and I thought I was into football. So, you know, I got there, you know, and I was a little bit shocked in the beginning. I was like, you know, what am, what am I getting myself into? This, this is going to be tough. But um, summer school actually helped me transition and make friends going into ninth grade. You know, as, as soon as we hit um, that first semester, it was like, hey, I know this guy from summer school. I know that guy from summer school. So, you know, I already had like the two, three friends that you need at that point to kind of, you know, get comfortable with the school. Um I can honestly say that those are four of the best years of my entire life. You know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of college. I didn't have like that crazy college experience that a lot of people go through. Um, I, I had a lot of good friends in middle school, but high school is definitely where, you know, I, I felt like I became a man, you know, like in high school, Columbus, like you have to fend for yourself, you know, as much as everybody loves each other, there's still the bully or, you know, the kid that gets picked on or, you know, there's, always, there's that competition of being the best in everything that you do in Columbus. So it, it kind of, you know, like there's nothing like getting your, your book bag flipped, you know, and having to suck that up, like that pain of like, you know. Bro, listen to me. I, when I started, look at this funny story. I subbed there for one day. Oh, wow. And I subbed, I got the seniors the day of homecoming. So those dudes were on fire already. They would come and la jodera that the kids had, they'd raise their hand and go, eh, professor, He's gay and he keeps looking at me and they're just fucking around. You know what I'm saying? And I was, and then they come check this. This is a good one. So a guy comes and I'm here trying to be cool. I'm like, hey, just chill, guys. Don't get me in trouble. Everybody chill out. They're like, professor, can we play some music? I was like, all right, bro, but don't play it so loud, bro. The guy hooks up. I didn't even know who, who this guy was. Starts playing Twenty One Savage. Fuck this. Fuck that. Fuck this guy. I'm gonna kill this guy. All this shit. Yeah. I was like, bro, turn that shit off right now, motherfucker. But it's it's that thing, dude. It's that thing that's special. Did you play any sports? Freshman year, I played basketball. Um, at the time, we weren't allowed to play um, different sports. Different sports. I actually started off in football. I, I never played. I had played like flag football, and I was like, you know what? I, I want to play football. So I went through all the practices. I got a starting gig, free safety, freshman year on the freshman team, and we went to go to play St. Thomas Aquinas. This is before I even played basketball or. Uh, baseball and St. Thomas was stacked, right? St. Thomas was stacked. That Quatrain Hill, that all these guys, right? Yeah. So first, this is the best story that I, I say out of Columbus because it's. I, I went through the whole training process. I got the starting job. Everything's great. Free safety. I'm like 150 pounds soaking wet, and um, you know, first play of the game. We already knew St. Thomas Aquinas was going to be a tough game, but first play of the game, you know, the running back breaks it and what's left is a free safety. So I'm chasing this guy as much as I can. And I actually end up grabbing him by the back of the shoulder pad. And as I'm doing that to pull him down, Quatrain Hill, who ended up being the fullback for UM, coming blindsides me and sends me 10 rolls into the stands. Yeah. They didn't throw a flag. Uh, the coach went crazy screaming for the penalty. I, I couldn't get back up. I didn't even make it to the extra point. That was my one and only snap in football history. After that, I got hurt that game. My hip was hurting. My head was hurting. I was concussed. And I said, you know what? This sport is not for me. I got on the I'm bus. Done, and bro. Clowning me. Oh, this guy got fucked. <laughs> I took one hit where I, ended, I must have ended 20 yards out of bounds, and that was the only snap that I played in football. Really, bro? Yeah. And then I ended up playing uh, basketball, and then 
you know, at that point, I had to make a decision where I wanted to play basketball or baseball. I originally got to Columbus to play baseball. I played uh, some of the web ball summer going into Columbus. I played at Weber's camp and, uh, you know, I had a pretty good shot to make the team. And it was a point where I was like, hey, do you want to play basketball or do I want to play baseball? But I ended up sticking with basketball and I played another year of basketball. And then I got hurt. My elbow, uh, I was still playing like travel ball. And I heard how my, tall are you? I'm six one. That's a decent, decent Cuban height. No, yeah. Not too bad. That's too bad. So I, 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 that's a center in Cuban basketball. You're a center, six one for sure. And, and I kind of, I kind of stuck with. I got burnt out of baseball, man. I used to play so much and travel. I would play on three teams during the summer. Like middle school, I was my life was baseball, you know. And um, what park did you play at growing up? I played everywhere: Youth Center, South Miami, um, Coral Gate. Um, Douglas Park. I played in every single everywhere that you, you could possibly think of, and I was I was doing school practice, travel or two travel ball teams. Like my my family was really dedicated into baseball, and um, you know my cousin actually ended up going pro. So like you know we were all, we would all play together, and then you know I I just got so burnt out of it, man. Like when I started playing basketball, and I actually got good at it, and I made the team at Columbus and all that kind of stuff. I kind of just let baseball sit there. It wasn't a fast paced game; you know, it was a lot slower. And I was like, you know what? Let me stick to basketball. I ended up doing that until I got picked up on a travel team uh, like my junior year because I was like, you know what, I'm going to pick up baseball again. And I just I blew out my arm pitching at the youth center one day. And they told me, do you have surgery and, you know, have an 18-month recovery? Or, you're yeah. like, fuck that, bro. I'm done with that. Like, what, I'm, not, I'm, I'm 6'1". At that time, who knows how tall I was. But I was like, I'm not making the NBA. And baseball now with my arm like this is a long shot. So I kind of just dedicated myself to – Partying in school or whatever else you do in high school, you know. Do do you miss playing sports or no? Well, I play basketball all the time. Um, now you play basketball still? Yeah, I was I was playing softball up until last year. I was playing softball regularly. Where um, where would you play? Tropical? Tropical. Yeah, I played at Hammocks on Mondays, and then I play, would play tropical. You would uh, hit home runs and everything. Yeah, once in a while. That's the best, bro. A hit home running softball. Right, That's right, the best. You, you give the little over the crowd. You don't even have to run the bases, right? Because you don't run the bases. In. It's amazing. It's the best, bro. It's the I best. still, I still do play basketball uh, a lot. Um, that's kind of like my my favorite thing to do. I don't, I don't like to go to the gym. I'm not one of those guys. I'm not allowed to. I'm not one of those guys to go to the gym and exercise and. Yeah. I don't know anything about any of that. My, my thing is basketball. You know, I like, I like nice. to run up and down, and I kind of stuck to that. And it, it helps me a lot in business too. You know, because in, in like the music business, a lot of people don't play golf. You know, they they like to play basketball. So. Uh, another friend of mine who's a Columbus alumni has like a little gym uh, right next to Columbus and we go there and it's private and we play four on four full court and you know take a lot of the artists there and I, I play there with Josh and a lot of the guys you know until the, before this COVID thing since COVID started we, we slowed down a bit but um, Kurt you know, and you don't you don't get scared playing uh, basketball jam your fingers or pull twist an ankle that do you do you get any of that I mean. I've had it all, you know. I Dude, think I'm, talking like a, I'm talking like an old man here. I'm a pussy at that, yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's no, like, no. bro, because you get these stupid injuries and you're like, Pa'que me pongo a meter basketball aquí. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Does that happen to you? Yeah, of course, man. Uh, I pulled my groin probably like a year ago and I had to sit, like, I couldn't walk, you know, for like a week. You know, I, I was limping, like, like, I felt stupid. But that happens to me mostly when I play turkey bowl, like, Thanksgiving is like the one day a year that we play football. And then oh, Black God. Friday is the one day a year that I can't get out of bed. Like, I literally can't move. I have to take four aspirins. I have to take everything because we literally – and, and, and Cuidado, if Josh hits you with that little tronco body of his, <laughs> he's not very fast. That's what he does. He checks you with his body to stop you. Bro, I, I can't walk for like two weeks. 
that, that's, that's like the worst day of the year. That's the worst day. Yeah, bro. How many people get injured playing that turkey ball thing? And God forbid if you're dating a new chick or something and you <laughs> take her out there, bro, I see you can't, you know. And like you said, you know how cool it is to show up with, with, with artists in a yeah. basketball thing and start stretching out your hamstring and start going through the prototypes? <laughs> get this guy out of here, bro. No, no, no. Oh, it, my God. So, cold, you know, it's like. Yep, yep, yep. So you're doing that. You graduate Columbus. What do you study at FIU? I studied, so I started at FIU um, with a business degree, and I would say probably middle of my second year, 45 credits in, I'm 19, my dad passes away from cancer. So no I was- way, bro. Yeah, man, my dad passes away. You and cancer. him were tight? Yeah, we were tight. Um, you know, he passed away from cancer, and I was like, I'm going to take the rest of the semester off, you know, yeah, like, let's, let's see what happens. Kurt, is it just you or do you have any siblings? Uh, I have a, a sister named Tracy. Okay. She's too old. She is 40. How does she take it? You know, it was one of those things that like she, she, she her, her mom and my dad were divorced. So she lived with her mom primarily, but I mean, we were all really close. And, you know, it was one of those things that it could have been prevented you know how us cubans are we're like ah you know i'm fine you know i'll take an i'll take a tylenol it's gonna go away estoy entero, estoy entero, tranquilo, estoy entero. exactly my dad was sick for a while he just didn't see it and you know, he was smoking a carton of cigarettes a day and it was one of those things that like you know he passed away in march and in january of that year we went to the super bowl together which was kind of like the last like moment that i got to share with him because we went to the super bowl here my favorite team is the colts and they were playing miami and my brother got his tickets and i would say like a week after he ended up in the hospital and I was like, oh, you know, he's going to be all right. But like at that time at 19, you don't know what hospice is. Like you're, you're, you're lost. You know, you hear your dad's going to the hospital. You'll be like, all right, he's going to get back out. You know, because he had already been in remission for a year. He had been cancer free. Right. So, you know, I was like, Conyo, he's going to be all right. My mom didn't want to tell me this, but he was on hospice and, you know, he wasn't getting out of the hospital. And I had no idea. Damn, bro. Um, You know, so he was in there for about a month and a half. And then, you know, I, I'll never forget March 25th. I'm at the hospital. And um, he tells me before I leave, he's like, hey, listen, you know, tomorrow, he calls me over before I leave. And he's like, tomorrow, you're going to help me get out of here. He's like, I don't care if I have to break out of the window or if we, I, whatever we have to do, I'm getting out of here tomorrow, no matter what. And I was like, all right, then I'll see you tomorrow. You know, I wake up, I'll never forget, I was at Dayland at the top of the parking, like it's like on a ramp and I was in the middle and my sister called me and said, you got to get to the hospital now. I show up to the hospital, I peek in his room. I see him like breathing heavily, like unconscious, and then I turn away, and then I just heard the machine. It was like he'd be waiting for me to get there to pass away. You know, it was like it was crazy. And then so after that, I, I was kind of like, obviously, I was, I was torn apart for months. I, I didn't really want to do much. Um, you have a mentor that back then, bro. Anybody that was like, oh, hey, let me talk yeah. to you, anybody? Yeah, my my uncle. Um, you know, he kind of took the place of of my dad. It was my. Uh, my aunt's husband at the time that they've since been divorced, but he's, he's kind of been like the father figure for me, uh, since that day. Um, you know, he's helped me with a lot and, and anytime I'm in a tough spot, you know, he, he's always there for me, no matter what it is. Um, you know, he, he's, he's harder on his own son, harder than, than I would be on mine. And his son is like my son, you know, he's my, my first cousin is like my brother. Um, but he kind of, he, he, he kind of took like that father figure role over for me, you know, from that point on. And um, something that I could never, you know, repay him for. No, but. bro, that's, that's hard, bro. That's hard. Okay, so you're 19. You're at FIU. Talk to me. After FIU, you graduated? You got your degree? I graduated in 2017. 
<laughs> Be, so, and you were, so were you like a six-year program? What was it? Oh, 13 years. 13 years. Equal. I mean, I, I took I took a I took an eight-year break. You know, like I just right. I, I was at FIU. I tried to go back. I, I couldn't pass business calculus. Like I had, I had that FIU. Let me take every. Kurt, Kurt, fuck calculus for business. Fuck QMB. Fuck all, <laughs> that's all bullshit, bro. Listen, I'm I'm more like I got my I, I was an idiot. I got a degree in finance to please my fucking dad. Bro, I was the stupidest thing. I don't do anything in finance, bro. Uh, I think if if I were to do it again, and if my son, my wife is six. No, the babies do. I have a boy. I have a girl, but I have a boy now. It's coming. If I'm still in Miami, I'm going to put homeboy in Columbus. And then from there, bro, do whatever you want, man. Don't even go to school. You just go wherever. Columbus is more important than if I you If you put them all together. If every every college in Florida put them all together, Columbus is more important than that. I promise you, bro. It, it, it I really promise. Is. It really so is. that eight year gap, Kurt, what did you do? So I started out, and you know, right when I was in college, I was like, I must have been like 20. I was like, all right, I want to be a sports agent. So I went out, I got my sports agency license. Um, I flew out to Dominican Republic with a friend of mine who had the same dream. We started. So you're looking. doing baseball players then. Yeah, I'm doing baseball. No, which is the worst one of all of them, bro. Yeah, yeah. No, so I, I start, I start, I get like this, uh, I get my agency license to the Florida DBPR. I go out to Dominican Republic. I meet with these different camps and Los Bucones and the guys who own like the kids. And, you know, they're like, I'm like, all right, we're going to take over this camp. And then we're going to take over this camp. And then kind of just like, all right, we're going to do this. You know, we get back to Miami. And then I was like, you know, we, we sat on it for like a week or two. And I was like, do we really want to own these kids? Like, you know, these 80 percentage of these kids that like have nothing, you know, like, is it, is it really ethically right? And it was like one of those things that was like, ah, I don't know. Long story short, I was like, you know what? I don't think that's something for me. You know, I, eventually down the road, maybe I want to get into it, but not this way. You know, I don't want to own like th these guys who own these camps. They own like 80 percent, 90 percent of these kids when they sign a contract. And like dude, these kids have nothing already, you know, and they're feeding them like a piece of bread and they're living behind concrete walls. And I think they're doing good for them. So I was like, you know what? I'm not going to get involved in this. You know, so so I, I moved past the idea. Um I'm probably trying to focus on school, you know, a year or two more. I hit like 23, you know, and I'm like, shit, you know, what, what am I doing? I, I have nothing. So my uncle, which was, became like my dad, reaches out to me, says, hey, um, you know, you have, do you want to come work in the, in the boats with me? Because he owns a, a, a boat charter and a, a, like a boat um, brokerage and charter company. And I'm like, sure, why not? So like uh, 23 to about 29, I go to work with him at Florida Yachts International there at Coconut Grove, which actually Josh oh, is that where Josh was? That where my man Josh worked for a little bit? <laughs> yeah, Josh worked with me. He sold the jet ski, uh, <laughs> and we shared an office. We had a fish tank. Well, I was in Barcelona. Like we had a good time. My uncle made a boat for us. We do the boat shows. Like bro, we had a really I, I wouldn't even call that work. You know, like I was kind of like my uncle's slave, and then it was kind of like. You know, me and Josh would be mixing their whole end, though. You know, like yeah, it, it was fun. But um, actually, before I even, I actually skipped the part, which is probably the most vital part of, of this whole conversation. So before I even got into the baseball thing, my first—I I take it back—my first job ever. Um, this is, it must have been—I must have been eight, no, sixteen. Uh, I was—I was actually still in high school. I must have been a uh, junior, or yeah, I was a junior. My brother-in-law calls me and says, hey, listen, uh, I want to meet up with you. And I'm like, all right, no problem. So we meet up at Sunset Place. And at that time, I had the infinity with the TV in the middle and the TVs and the headrest. I thought it was I thought it was a big time. What type of infinity was it? The QX, the FX35. 
FX thirty five. It's like a little hatchback. Uh, I remember SUV. Yeah, yeah, hatchback SUVs would sound like it sounded like a Ferrari. Nice. So he pulls up and he, I'm like, what 60. color? What color? White, white with black rims with the twenty two logo on the side. And all nice. The, I had the the the, the Mickey Big special. Nice. And um, you know, so I pull out my little TV and he hands me this DVD. He's like, hey, listen, I'm gonna. My brother's an attorney, you know, and uh, he's like, hey, listen, I'm going to take over as a, I'm going to start a, a record label. And I was like, a record label. So he pops in the CD of my car and I, and I listen to this. And it's this artist named Zion. And I look at him. I was like, what? What do you want to do with this? Like reggaeton? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm telling you, you know, this is the next wave. You know, whatever this, that and the third. I, I was 17 because this was 2000, uh, 2004. So I'm like, all right, man. So what do you need me to do? And he's like. I want you to come work with me at the label, you know, whatever, a part-time from school. I'm like, cool. So, you know, I start off as like the, the do boy. I, I pick up the artist from the, from the airport. I take him shopping, you know, um, I would fly to New York for meetings and stuff. With nice. I, I was just kind of getting my feet wet and we had a uh, Zion, Arcangel, Deraeto, and this guy named Johnny Rivera, uh, which is like a salsa artist. Um, my brother-in-law. Not Jerry Rivera, Johnny Rivera. Rivera. Johnny Rivera, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I kind of did like it was like a super prominent like duo coming up and Zion was already like an established like a artist so uh, he opens up this label through Universal Motown um, through this company called SRC Steve Rifkin who who started Akon and a lot of other big people and um, you know I started getting involved in like this music label and then I, I like this so much so he's like hey listen I'm gonna make you I'm gonna put you in charge of promo so I was in charge you had this 17 year old kid in charge of distributing all of these flyers and posters and like literally in charge of all the street teams across the United States for two major albums, which was the Cocorocos and the Perfect Melody. And then, you know, we had this other project, the Acaje de la Ghetto project coming up. And, you know, it was like, it was like a big thing at the time, you know, both of those albums went platinum uh, through Universal Motown. And I was like, you know, I was the head of like the marketing essentially. Oh yeah, well, that's a big move. Yeah. So, um, you know, I was in that for like two years. So by like by 19, my brother I was like, hey, listen, I'm getting rid of the label. I can't deal with it. Um, you know, I, I, I want to settle down. It's too much. These artists are too crazy. I, I want to I be done with it. So from one second to the next, the label disappears. And at the same time, he had a label. He had a boxing camp. Um, so, I mean, he had this guy, Juan Urango, who fought on HBO against Ricky Hatton. Like, I, I was pretty involved in the entertainment business. You're in the mix. Yeah, you're in the mix. And I was, I was a chamaco, you know. So, um, you know, that went away. And I was like, damn, you know, I really like that. I still kept in contact with some of the artists, but it was like, all right, I gotta look for a new stage. That's when I that's when I start that's when I dived into the baseball thing, okay. which didn't really work out. And then I went to the boat thing, which was fun, but I was like, I don't like boats. You know, like I like to go on boats and I like to Yeah, but I don't like to sell boats. I don't right. like the experience. I don't wanna know about the generator or the how many what kind of oil is these guys, there. these rich guys are all dicks yeah. anyway. I hate this shit. And like it's a waste of time because somebody will go tell you, you know, I want to go see five boats. Bro, you literally ride with this guy. You see five boats, and at the other day he ghosts you. You know, and you're like, like you know, like it's 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 disheartening because it's like, man, I worked all this time to try to make a commission for this guy to you know just ghost me and probably want to go buy the boat from somebody else. You know, like right, it, right, it, it, right. I was just like, all right, this is not for me. You know, so that's where we are at that point. And then after that, I, I was just like, you know, I, I want to do something I like. So probably around you know about. Yeah, like 29, I was about to be 30. I reach out to Dave Grubman and I'm like, hey, Dave, listen. You know, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now let's, let's, let's get to this moment. Okay. <laughs> so you're 29 years old, yeah. zero club experience. Zero. 
What about the club called your attention? Was it the lifestyle of it, the the vibe of it? What what did you see that goes? Listen, I'm gonna reach out to Grubman, who at the time was he already as powerful as now? Or yeah, yeah, Dave, Dave had already been. Liv had already been open seven years. Story had already been open like four, five. So this is '09, you said? No, no, this is not '09. This is uh, this is 2017. This was three years ago. So this is three years ago. Yes, yeah, it's three years ago. Yeah, because you're what, 33? 32. I'm about to be 33. 33. Uh, Holy so, shit! So three years ago. Yeah, three years ago, I reached out to him. Well, we had been in talks for a couple months, you know, and then um, you and you and Grumman. Yeah, through through a mutual friend of mine named Alex, who's his partner in, in a lot of the restaurants and stuff. Right. They're very close. And, and I told Alex, I said, hey, listen, man, you know, Latin music is coming up. And I still had a lot of those old contacts from back in the day. Right. It wasn't so much the nightlife that I loved. It wasn't so much the, 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 the ambient. I just like Latin music. Like, that's all I listened to. Like, back in 2012, 2013, when Nicky Jam, J Bow, and Farruko started coming up again, like, that's what I was listening to, you know? So... I told him, I was like, hey, you know, this is this this is coming back. You know, it's here. And he had never had a Latin night. He had never done anything Latin. So I said, you know, let's try, they had tried to do something that didn't really work. And he's like, if you can book a real Latin act for me on a Sunday at Story, you could have the night. And I said, damn, a real Latin act, you know? So my first call, Zion from Zion and Lennox, who I'd worked with. 10 years prior. And I said, right. and I had always maintained contact with him. I would go support his shows. You know, when he was here locally, I, I would go, I would go see them, you know, and um, I hit him up and I said, listen, man, I need a favor. He's like, what is it? I'm like, I need you to play at this nightclub um, on a Sunday. I need two or three songs from you. I need you to let me promote it. And I need you to take, you know, a third of your fee. And he's like, all right, let's do it. You know, I'll do it for you. So, nice. My first show was June 17th, I believe it was, uh, 2017. I have Zion and Lennox. Boom, the night is a success. Oh, no, 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 slow down, slow down. How did you promote it, bro? What, were we handing out flyers on cars? We, we, were you no, no Facebook? Because Instagram, yeah. Instagram was already in, yeah, right? Yeah, Instagram was in. Um, no flyers, you know. Story had already has it, had its infrastructure for marketing, but they didn't have a real Latin-based following, you know? So right. it was like... No club was, other than like Senor Frogs or something like, like that, right? Like, or like a watcha. Like a watcha, bro. Yeah, right. Those places were like, you know, like they were popping, but but not really. Very regionally, very like a West Candle Candle yeah, kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. Nobody ate the beach with this guy. No, hell no. So, you know, we started promoting through Instagram, I must have given like three weeks promotion. By by no means was it a complete sellout where every table was sold out. We had a nice core. Story's big, man. Story the capacity of stories, you know, twelve hundred people. Like it's a big club, you know, more right. fifteen hundred people. So it, how many it, tables? Uh, Story has like sixty four tables, sixty five tables. So did you grab the main room or the whole yeah, thing? I, I, I grabbed. No, we didn't open the upstairs. We 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 opened just the downstairs and the mid level. We closed okay. the entire upstairs. Like we must, we must have sold 130 tickets, you know, which is which is not a lot, you know. So I was a little nervous, but it went okay, especially for a Sunday, you know. Latinos, dude, on Monday they gotta work. We gotta go. We gotta majority we gotta of them. Majority yeah, of them. Yeah. Exactly. You know. So for a first night, it wasn't bad, you know. So we're like, all right, let, let's give it another try. 
So, you know, somebody calls me, and this is the biggest phenomenon ever. Let's somebody go. Give it to me. On the, like two days later, I say, hey, listen, I have this kid named Osuna and Bad Bunny. They're doing a show at the Hard Rock. Do you want the after party? And I'm, I already know who Osuna was, but I had no idea who this guy Bad Bunny was. So I'm like, sure. What do you want? No, we, we want we want a percentage. I don't know. We work it out. I'm like, all right, let's give it a try. It, this was a Saturday. My my days were Sunday. I didn't even have a name for this party yet. It was just Tirate. Yeah, just exactly. Tirate Sunday. Exactly. <laughs> Latin Sunday. This so, but we did it on a Saturday this time. I had a I had a Sunday party with Arcangel, and then Saturday came along, and I'm like, all right, you know what? Let's do it. So I show up, I tell Dave, I'm like, hey, listen, I think you should check this one out. Osuna's a pretty big deal, you know, and, and this guy Bad Bunny's coming with him. I kid you not, coach. I show up and the amount of people that were outside of front of story, I've never seen it to this day. Not in our Basel, not in WMC, never. And I'm like, oh my God. So I go in, needless to say, Bad Bunny sang for me three times that night. And I was like, dude, just get off the microphone already. Like, who are you? Why do you keep singing? You know, Osuna crushed it. And I was like, wow. Dave was like, his eyes just lit up. Like, I can't believe this many people came to see two people that I have no idea who they are. Wow. You, you know, and I was like, that was June 25th, if I'm not mistaken, or 24th, June 24th it was. And I was like, this is, this is insane. So we set like a record number of people in story that night. Crazy number you know, overall, and the next day was Arcángel. Arcángel doesn't produce like Bad Bunny and Osuna, but it was still strong. You know, it's hard to follow up the same crowd two nights in a row, the same demographic, especially after such a monster night with, you know, this guy Osuna who was already at the top of the game or at least getting there, and then Bad Bunny was just kind of got thrown, you know? And uh, that's kind of the night where I made the connection with Bad Bunny. Like, you know, we became friends, and, you know, I hosted him, and, I didn't really know who he was, but I liked his style. He came in with like this fisherman hat and this fisherman shirt, like these really short shorts, these old beat up Reeboks that he wears everywhere. And you know, he, you know, he thanked me a million times for the opportunity. And um, you know, we kind of made a connection that night. Like, you know, let, let's let's keep talking. Same thing with Osuna. So you know, I kind of just started that up until um, I'd say October. You know, they reach out to me. This is right before October. Liv was under renovation all summer. And then October rolls around. They tell me, hey, we want to move your party from Sunday at Story because it's doing so. We want to move it to Thursday at Liv. And I was Okay. Like, okay. Hold on one second. So you did that Bad Bunny thing. You blew up. What did you do? Did you continue to do Sunday nights? Is that your – did you become like a promoter or something? Yeah. What I did was – so I was I was a partner – um, with Dave and and the club at the time, and then I was like, you know, I'm not a promoter. I'm not out there selling tables. That's not what I do. So I hired a promotional group called Miami Vice, Rasier Angel Nelson. I okay. hired them to kind of take over the promo for everything, and, and I made him a partner in, in the party. And I was like, look, you know, you're gonna you guys are gonna get a percentage. I need you guys to bring people. I need you guys to bring bodies, tables. So I would say after after that Arcángel night, I went out, which was the second Sunday night. I went out and I found them. And, you know, there's still Kara, how were you so smart to think about hiring promoters? Because you ask questions because unless you're in the industry, you don't yeah. know that. I mean, I just I, there was brought, it was a suggestion like, hey, look, you know, I didn't bring so much to the table. I knew you didn't of, have bottle clients. You didn't, no, I didn't have any of that. You know, I didn't have at that time. I didn't have any I didn't have any bottle clients. I, I, I didn't have anybody besides my own friends to come. I didn't know anything about social media advertising. Like, you know, I didn't I didn't have that that 
that niche that they had, you know. So I asked around. I said, "Hey, who, who's done these parties before? You know, what what are the people that move the, the bring the bodies?" And then they referred me to them. I hit it off right away with Raciel, and we became really close. Awesome. And um, you know, ever since then, you know, they're, they're still my they're still involved in the party today. They're my partners in it. You know, they do all the marketing for. It. I, I handle all the the artist stuff. Um, and then, you know, the opportunity came along when Live opened up in October, like, hey, do you guys want to move this there? And, and for me, it was a no brainer. You know, I was like from story on a Sunday to live on a Thursday. Let, let's do it, you know. And um, I was able to get Prince Royce, who's a dear friend of mine. I got him to open up the first ever Mentirosa, which was what we named the party. You know, what I, we, we need We need a name. It can't just be a Latin, you know, so we named the Mentirosa and you know, the rest, well, there was history, man. I mean, that that was, I think, October 5th of 2017. I had Prince Royce, and Prince Royce had never done a nightclub. You know, he's a friend of mine, and I asked him, hey, can you do me this favor? Yeah, because he he's more of a melodic love yeah, thing, no? Yeah, he, he got into reggaeton now a little bit. Yeah. But um, Royce, you know, right? He goes, Royce. <laughs> exactly, exactly. He, he killed it for me. And that month, you know, I, I did Royce, I did Carol G, I did Justin Quiles. No way, uh, bro. I had like a big month. You know, I was doing artists every Sunday at Story, but it was a little bit easier to book them because not every art, like people, artists don't work on Sundays. You know, they don't get booked for clubs on Sundays. So we were the only right. competition. And that night just blew up, man, so big that it was like, you know, let's take it to live and let's make this during the week and or, or like, you know, going to the weekend and let's let's book artists every week. So, you know, I I had my my DJs, uh, Mario Duran and Demon Flow. Um you know, Demon Flow at the time was just a DJ nightclub. He was just getting his feet wet. Now he's been nominated for like three Grammys, billboards. He has like no way, bro. Like Thirty plus platinum songs. You know, and and he grew up at Live. You know, not to say that he was, that, you know, he didn't do it on his own. But you know, I saw this kid come in. You know, like on, on a phone call. I just felt his energy well. Like, hey, look, I, I'm, my name is Demon Flow. I'm a friend of so and so. I I know you look. I heard you're looking for a DJ. Can I come in for you? And I was like, I'm gonna give you a shot. And I had somebody else in there at the time. And he crushed it, and you know, like now he, dude, like I told you, he's been nominated for more. Isn't that awesome, man? When you give somebody a shot and you see that, that's the guy. The guy has just taken off. He produces the biggest hits on uh, in 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 that genre now. You know, he's worked with every single artist you can possibly think of, and he started off as a DJ at Live. You know, or not even at Live at Story, and I still use him. You know, Kurt, your the the guest. Was it that you just started getting a reputation that you're the guy to go to? Did you start building connection with record labels, with managers? How did you? Um, you know, a lot of I had some artist um, relations. You know, I, like again, I was friends with Zion. I was friends with Prince Royce through mutual uh, friends. Like, I, I, so I started connecting with a couple guys, and then through those people, um, you know, I started meeting other people. Uh, September 2017, hurricane is hitting. Uh, Miami destroys Puerto Rico, right? Hurricane Maria. Um, during that time, I'm at Story. Um, I can't remember who. It was a Saturday night. You know, I was just there hanging out, and uh, somebody tells me, "Hey, I, I need you to. I need to introduce you to somebody from Puerto Rico that's here." And I'm like, "Sure, you know, no problem." So they they, they come. I, they introduce me to this guy. I'm like, "Hey, how are you? You know, such and such." They're like, "Oh, he handles all that stuff." And then I meet this other guy. And he's like, "Hey, how are you? My name is Paco." You know, whatever I I I, uh, I work in Puerto Rico. I do all the stuff at a Coliseo. You know, whatever. Uh, you know, I heard you're the guy here in Miami for like the Latin bookings. We should have lunch tomorrow. I'm like, no problem. Next day comes along. Where do you have lunch? 
pub belly sushi in, in in Miami Beach. He's like, oh, the owner's Puerto Rican, Chef Mendin. He's my buddy. You know, this and that. I own the one in Puerto Rico. Kurt, just, hold on one second. Hold on one second. Isn't it amazing how awesome the hookups when you work at a nightclub are, bro? It's the best thing in the world. It's it's only people in the industry know that power of and that world because when you leave, do you live on the beach? No, I live in the Gables. So you're one of the few. Yeah. Maybe to have a balance to like you're not yeah, in a crazy world over there. Yeah. A, people who don't understand that, okay, it's just crazy. I'm going to tell you my story, and I'm going to continue yours. So I went from Miami, failed, biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball by far, <laughs> moved to Los Angeles, wow. lived in a car for six months, didn't yeah. know a single person, okay, to act. I started acting, became a celebrity uh, baseball coach. I ran away from baseball. I went there to act. The only thing that I got acting gigs only because I did baseball. I did baseball lessons to the famous people, to the director's kid, to, to the producers. So I was on King of Queens, all this stuff. No. Failed miserably. But I did live for a year under who I think is the biggest club owner of all time. I'm not going to tell you his name because he's a low-key dude. But I slept on his couch and I learned a lot from him for a year. And he's the one that started taking me to Las Vegas. And I go, bro, Vegas is for me. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't gamble. I'll crush it. I'll completely crush it. So I went to Los I went to Vegas and I got a job at Hyde in the Bellagio. And I started off as a promoter. I lived at the Aria. Wow. And bro, I just started that way, old school Cuban style. Bro, I'd be friendly with everybody. I hooked everybody up. Bro, and on a four-year run, I went from bringing girls to the thing to a girl guy in the club to bro the top producer probably in vegas unless you were like an owner like a jason strauss or no. or uh or the dude of uh or the dude of what's his name of hakasan or the or jesse and the other guy or, or the guy of from pure and all this i had i had pure wasn't even around pure had clothes one oak had just opened Richie and, and so, and I came in, and One Oak wasn't even that strong because we went against One Oak on Tuesdays on Industry Night at Hyde, and we crushed it because we had the fountains and we were open format, and they went heavy on hip hop, right? So they got real urban, and we kept it open format, and we just, bro, and I just, what I became in Vegas was the best thing in the world, bro. That's but hard. it wasn't what you did because you got an escape because you went ownership route. I did it. Even though I'm crushing, I'm the man. Bro, every day is like the Super Bowl. Because, okay, you did good on this guy. Congratulations, dude. Now we have 14 on Sundays. Yep. I get fill up 14. And then we got to fill up this. And it's attention that unless you know, bro, it, it, it's crazy because it's every day because you can't have an empty club. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So let's take it to you now. So you're here. You're crushing the Latin scene. This is now it's what two years ago or a year ago uh no this was three years ago already three years ago okay what next what happened then so i, I meet this guy named paco and um you know we immediately hit it off and um you know he starts living in miami because of the the hurricane 
And I mean, th this guy just knows everybody. You know, he's like the man in Puerto Rico. Uh, Puerto Rico benefit concert comes along. Martin's Park takes me with him. Introduces me to Mark Anthony. You know, um, Bad Bunny again. You know, I, I start meeting all of these people from Puerto Rico that you know I knew. Most, I knew some of them, but now you know I'm hanging in the circle of all right. Well, he's friends with this guy, so he must be good. You know, so right, right. You know, I, I start. I start meeting people left and right. I start getting contacts. You know, I start taking people out. Um, you know, I, I kind of became like the guy for these artists and their managers in Miami and kind of like, you know, just helping them out without asking for anything in return. You know, when, when you would take them out, you take them like you would host them. Like, let's say I live, you take them to clubs, yeah, you, that kind of thing. Exactly. Live, story, um, Komodo, you know, like we'd go out, they'd call me for favors, I'd help them out. You know, but I was still kind of still involved a little bit more like in the nightclub team than I was. I was just kind of just meeting people, you know, at that point. You know, I would go play basketball with Osuna, with Paco and stuff like that. And I was I was kind of just getting my feet wet as becoming like the, being like seen as more as their friend than somebody who was just an acquaintance, you know. Right, right, right. Um, this business is very small. There's not that many people uh, that live in Miami and do what I do, you know, so I I quickly became like the new shiny toy. Like, hey, I want to go to Miami. I'm going to call Kirk. You know, story. So, so I kind of, I kind of got involved in that. You know, and um, you know, I went with Bunny to uh, the Major Laser uh, Puerto Rico benefit concert. I went to the one in Martin's Park w with Paco and, and with Royce. And you know, I, I slowly started becoming that guy. You know, for for them. Um, you know, next year rolls around. Mentirosa's full throttle. You know, we're kind of it, it, it's taken off to the point where we're like, wow, you know, this is this is incredible. Um, I would say that the biggest like break of like, wow, this guy is really starting to get in the mix now was in January of I want to say it was 2018. I'm at a sports bar with a good friend of mine, Squints, um, at Hole in the Wall, and it's 11 o'clock at night. And uh, I get a call from Dave, and I'm like, hmm, what's he calling me at 11 o'clock at night for on a Monday? Hello? Hey, this is it's Dave. Uh, I'm here with Drake, and uh, he wants to speak to Bad Bunny. So I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's Drake. You know, I'm, I'm here with, with, with Drake. Yeah, is Bad Bunny around? Do you want to get Bad Bunny? Oh, oh, sure. Hold on a second, Dave. Wait, Bad Bunny, ven para acá. Quiero que... <laughs> but at this point, Bad Bunny wasn't who he was today, you know? Right. So, you think about it, this is two years ago, January two years ago. So I'm like, all right, let me let me try calling him. So at the time, you know, I call him, his phone's off. Call him again, his phone's off. And you know, I, I have Dave on the other line. And you know, so I call Noah, his manager. I'm like, hey Noah, uh, are you with Benito? He's like, no, I'm not. Why? I'm like, oh, because I have Drake on the other line who wants to talk to him. And he's like, what? I'm like, he's like, yeah, I have Drake on the other line. He wants to talk to him. He's like, all right. So he calls his house. His mom, you know, whatever, answers the phone, and he's like, can you go Benito? And he's like, yeah. So he clicks over, and I hadn't heard Drake yet, you know? So I'm like, all right, let me link it, you know? So I'm like, hey, Dave, you have uh, Bunny and Noah on the phone, you know, whatever. He's like, all right, hold on a second. He passes the phone, he's like, and I also hear, hello? And I'm like, whoa. You hear that <laughs> voice, hello? <laughs> so, you know, they have a conversation, and, uh, you know, they agree that they're going to meet in Miami the next day. So, you know, I hang up the phone. I couldn't believe what just happened. You know, uh, this was like, this was moving so fast that I was like, is, is this really happening right now? 
So Bunny calls me after, like right after the conversation, say, hey, look, I have a lot of stuff to do in Puerto Rico tomorrow. Do you really think I should go? I'm like, what? Dude, get your ass over here. He's not, he's not going to work with me. I'm like, he's going to work with you. Trust me. Dude, guy flies over next day. I take him to Dave's house. Um, you know, when it's like five o'clock and I'm starting to get a little nervous because, you know, Drake hasn't called. So all of a sudden his assistant hits me. Hey, you know, let's meet at this restaurant at Komodo at eight o'clock. We'll have dinner. We'll talk. Everybody will hang out. And then, you know, we'll, we'll go to the studio after. Perfect. So we're hanging out. All of a sudden I get a call an hour later saying, hey, listen, Drake's going to have to cancel. He's got to do a song no. say, you know, whatever. We'll, we'll see you tomorrow or the following day. At this point, everyone's bummed. It's like, oh, man. I, he's like, I knew it. He's like, why would he want to work with me? You know, my like, Dito, my Dito's here. Like, <laughs> you know, like, bro, it's like a whole depression. And I felt really bad because I made this guy fly from Puerto Rico for this, you know? Right, 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 right. Dude, not even 20 minutes later. Uh, we're in the sprinter, and he's like, let's go to the studio, you know, whatever. On the way to the studio, I get the phone call. Hey, he canceled. That's me. I was oh, on the phone and it was like, if like you know, this air guy let him out. I'm like, turn the bus around, we're going to meet him. And it was like, everyone was like, yeah, you know. So we turn the bus around, we go to Komodo, we have dinner, incredible dinner. Guy is super nice, you know. First time I'd ever met him in that in that setting. Um, you know, really wanted to understand the Puerto Rican culture, the Latin culture. Guy was like super a one, you know. We go to the studio that night. Um, Bunny's producers. Uh, Mambo Kings play him like 10 beats and, and Bunny was like, listen, I want to do one of your songs. And he's like, nah. He's like, I'm not, you're not, the, I'm not, you're not going to do one of my songs. He's like, I'm going to do one of yours in Spanish. So we're like, wow. You know, so he picks this song. Todos estamos aquí. That's the one? No, Mia. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, we record it and it was like, all right, boom, we got this. I don't hear from, from Drake's people again like for a long time you know months go by and i'm asking money and all like, hey what's going on with the song They're like oh we have no idea you know waiting on straight so i get a call um late july early august and it's like hey we're filming the video with drake tomorrow and i was like what all right so they called dave and i to be a part of the video you know like or just to come hang out you know we're in little we're in alapata we're hanging out it's this crazy set. It was pouring, dude. Coach, when I tell you, like, like it was pouring to the point where, like, nobody wanted to get off the car, you know, at this point. And then, like, 3 o'clock in the morning rolls up. Drake still hadn't gotten there. They had filmed all the shots except for the Drake one. And I was like, you know what, man? I, I'm, I'm going to go home. Dave's like, me too. I'm out of here. So I'm going. I, I take my girlfriend home. And then all of a sudden, it's like 3.30 in the morning, and I get a call from Noah saying, he's here. I fly back to Alapata. I blow up Dave, and I'm like, hey, you know, whatever. You know, are you coming? He's Girl, like, what's Alapata? Alapata is this area here in, in Miami, uh, like like Northwest 20th Street and 20th Avenue, like that area. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Um, so I fly back to the video shoot, and uh, Bunny's like, I want you to be a part of the video. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I want you to be. There's a domino scene where, like, Drake and I are playing dominoes. I want you to be. Uh, in the table with us with my best friend Jantony. So it's going to be you and Jantony versus Drake and I in the video in the, in nice. the, in the scene, you know? And I was like, wow, you know, this is crazy. I had I didn't, I had a hat on, but it wasn't a live hat. And I'm walking around, I see a guy with a mentirosa hat of all things. A guy wearing a mentirosa live hat. I'm like, hey, can I borrow that? You know, he's like, yeah, sure. So I, I take the hat off his head, I put it on, and, you know, crazy enough, I come you out. You were forward or backward? Oh, no, backward. You were forward? 
you see you see the live you see the live uh you know logo logo whole video like the side that they got me and you know i come out pretty front and center in, in a drake bad bunny video you know so after that Damn, it was kind of like all right like who is this guy you know like what is what is like his role and how did he how does he how is he sitting at that table like you know what's going on here so all right stop right there stop right there stop right because we, we keep going with this is special stuff <laughs> kurt what do you think man makes you so special um there's incredible luck here we understand that yeah i mean I, i wouldn't say it's luck i'm one of those guys that you know you for instance you told me hey look can we do this at 10 30. i'm never going to tell you no you know I, i although some people might get upset at me i won't say any names you know like i'm one of those guys that if you call me at one in the morning i'm going to answer i'm going to do whatever i need to do to get it done you know I, right, I right, right. like hey you need me to go to You know, if it's important, it's a relationship that I value, and it's a relationship that is important to me. And, and you're there in person, exactly. And I don't have it; doesn't have to be beneficial to me all the time. You know, I, I don't like benefit, uh, relationships to be one side. I like it to be mutually beneficial. But you know, if I'm sick in bed and I'm dying, but you need me to sit into something in, in a meeting, or you need me to do something, or you need me to pick you up, or you need me to host you, or whatever it is, like I always show my face. You know, like I'm one of those guys that um, I don't send somebody to do the work for me. I like to do it myself. I, I always answer the phone. Um, you know, no matter how good or bad the news is, you know, I'm very straightforward and, and I just, I just don't bullshit when it comes to work. You know, like I, right. I I'm very straight, you know, like I, this is the offer. If you don't like it, I can't move on. I, I'm not a I'm very strong when it comes to that. So I think, I think my worth, my work ethic is, is something that, you know, has obviously luck can only get you so far. I think you have to work 100%, 100%. You know, like I, I didn't. I grew up in Miami, you know, I, I, it's, I know it's a lot of people know Spanish, but I had to perfect it, you know, like I had to go and I, you know, 90% of my conversations with these guys is in Spanish, you know, very few of them speak English. So it's something I had to really learn and pick up on and, and I had to be at the right place at the right time. And I had to push forward, you know, something that I needed to, I need, I needed to do what the other guy wouldn't do. You know what I'm saying? Right. And Grubman, what makes him so special in your opinion? Dave is, he The way so Dave has his his team right. He's got Purple, he Mo, and Jojo, and all these guys, and he's very good about building up his team. So he makes everybody look into a superstar, you know. So, you know, maybe this guy is just a regular promoter, but you know the way Dave talks about him to the public and the way Dave his, his persona is portrayed is like, okay, well that guy's the best promoter on the planet because you know he works with us, and you know he's very good at he gets away with things that. I don't know anybody, you know, just, just the comments that he says and like, you know, just his natural humor and he's a marketing machine. I, I tell people all the time, including Josh, I'm like, he is the, he's the biggest marketing machine in the world. The way he markets himself is like second to none. The way he's infiltrated that system and has gotten people to trust him, the biggest names, the biggest, you know, the biggest of the biggest, you know, trust him with their eyes closed. And he's very good about hospitality. You know, he's not one of these guys that's you know, pinching pennies, you know, like he does, he, he gets the job done, you know, and he is the best at that. He's the best at putting people in seats in nightclubs and restaurants. You know, he's, he's really shown me a lot um, on how to work. He's another guy that his phone is on 24 seven, doesn't stop. You know, he's up at seven in the morning, going to sleep at five in the morning, you know, like he does what he's got to do. And, you know, he runs a really tight ship. You know, he, he, there's no, there's no slack when it comes to him. He's a perfectionist. Um, and you know, I've learned a lot from him in that sense of like how to treat people and how to treat relationships. You know, that's his thing. You know, his whole, his whole empire is built on relationships, you know, like it's that, and, and the way he treats them and the way he values them is, 
is how I think everybody needs to do it. Not everybody does, you know, but he's, he's just all in, you know, and that's what I can say about him. He's just, he's all in all the time and not many people are willing to put in that work and that sacrifice and that, you know, type of back and forth in the relationship, you know? Damn, bro. So now you're crushing it. Absolutely crushing it. Is, does that take us to 2020 or is there a little more? Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, it, there was crushing, but, you know, you had your low points. You know, sometimes when it rained, like, it, it's not all gravy where you're like, you know, sometimes I went home without getting paid. You know what I'm saying? Like, we lost money or, you know, it wasn't all just. And how like, are you with money, Kurt? Are you good? Were you trying to live the lifestyle? Or you say, listen. At, at that time, I, I thought I was somebody that I wasn't, you know. At, at that point, you're like, and it's a lot of trial and error in that too, you know. At that point, you get, you're, you're stuck in this zone where like you're seeing all this money and you're doing all this stuff. And, and at the time you lose yourself. Into a certain Listen, bro, in Vegas, let me tell you something. In Vegas, I had the highest theoretical player. You know what theoretical play is? Yeah, of course. My dude played 330,000 a spin in roulette. Jesus. Highest guy in Vegas. So I'm telling people, I'm like, bro, when I first started gambling three years into it, I'm like, how am I going to bet a hundred bucks a hand? When I'm watching a dude spend three hundred and thirty thousand, so it's like, which is the hardest thing to tell somebody. How are you going to go from Rolls Royce to Bentley to Ferrari to that, and then get in a Corolla and feel good about yourself? Yeah. And then la gente dice, este tipo un muerto, este es contacto, tipo este. So it's it's hard, bro. So I totally feel for you, man. How did you learn that, Kurt? Was it something you said, listen? It was actually before that I even started the nightclub business where I was just kind of all over the place. You know, like I was, it was when I started in the nightclub business and I actually started earning money for myself, real money that I really had to, you know, work hard for and stay up late for and stuff. That's when I kind of settled down. And I was like, hey, look, you know, you're not going to be on the Saturday anymore. You're going to, you're going to fix your life. You're, you're going to, you're going to do things the right way. Cause when I didn't, when I was kind of in between jobs and selling bows and doing this, like, you know, I wasn't really working for money. It was kind of like a handout thing. And it was like, and, you know, I went through a tough time where I, I was like, I, I couldn't really keep up with myself, you know? And it was then where I, where I really said, I'm going to put my hard hat on and I'm going to focus and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And that's when I kind of just clamped down and, and, and I built a business and I built myself and, um, right. you know, I kind of just invested in myself and, you know, I, I was like, I'm not going to go back to the old ways that I, that I, that I used to, you know, be crazy and, and all that kind of shit. So. That actually helped stabilize me, believe it or not. Like that, that world and having that family of of people at work, you know, like Rob and Mo and Jojo and Dave and Purple and Lyndon, all those guys, like they helped like stabilize me, you know, like because I, I had so I had a family outside of the one of my house and my friends, you know, I had a work family which I got on great with. So they actually helped me stabilize and show me the ropes on a lot of things, you know. So it wasn't in the club scene that I was reckless. I I feel like it was before that, you know, where I was just really? like. Really? Whatever I could, you know, yeah, that, that actually stabilized me, believe it or not. And Kurt, let's take it to present day, man. What, obviously the Corona thing has put everything in. Are you still doing the same thing now? Are you happy? What's, what's going on now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, so last year, um, it's funny enough, I was in Vegas a lot last year, man. I got a, I got an opportunity to work for the pumps. Okay. Um, I would say. January of last year of 2019, um, I'm with uh, a guy that I work with now named Ron Lafitte. He uh, he manages, you know, five or six of the top American artists in the entire planet. Um, you know, I, I have a, a 
I work with this company with Patriot Management as um, a Latin manager as well. You know, we started a Latin label thing. Pharrell's also a part of the the, the deal. So um, we are in January of last year looking at festival sites, you know, because I had this dream of putting together this festival. And, you know, he introduced me to this guy named Tal Cooperman. And, you know, it's from the Palms and this and that. And the Palms had just put $690 million into their Because they were horrible. When, when I was there, they had rain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had, it, nobody sure. would go to the Palms. Sure. Whereas the real world era, they were the best. When the Maloofs had it, that yeah. era was the best, you know. But yeah. now, don't the Fertitas own the Palms? Yeah, the Fertitas own the Palms. And, and Tal works directly for Frank and Lorenzo. And he tells me, hey, look, you know, maybe we want to put in a Latin act here or there. And I said, and this new club that we have called Chaos. And I was like, all right, let's talk. You know, he tells me, dude, I've been trying to reach out to this guy, Jay Balvin, and to this other guy, Bad Bunny, for three months, you know, I'm through agencies and through this and through that. I can't get an answer. And here's the guy. Here's the guy. Guano, I got you, bro. You got the plug. Exactly. Guano from Little Havana. You know, so, <laughs> so, you know, within a week, I had both contracts signed. Um, and I tell him, listen, you know, you should probably go after this other artist named Osuna. He he's gonna he's gonna sell you some tickets and some tables. Like, oh, we don't know who that is, you know, whatever. I'm like, look, confide in me to, to, to do the Latin acts and 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 I got you. So um I did 16 shows last year in Vegas at Chaos. Um no I did way, bro. yeah, I did Bad Bunny uh four times, you know, Latin Billboard weekend, Grammy weekend. I did Osuna four times. I did Osuna just this New Year's now. Um going into nice, bro. Um, I did Anuel, I did Zion Lennox, I did Maluma. Um, so, you know, I, I really made an impact on the hotel on the land side. Uh, all the shows were super, super, super successful. Um, they had to deal with Marshmallow. They had to deal with a couple other uh, DJs. Um, you know, they put themselves in some bad situations contract-wise with a lot of other artists where right. they, had to, they had to close the, the club. You know, they lost a lot of money. Um, and they just, their operations weren't really like coming from the nightclub business over here and seeing how I was going over there, you know, it wasn't my, you know, I wasn't going to step in and say, Hey, you guys are doing this wrong. You know, cause that's not my, that's not my role, but you know, seeing how it's run over here and how well it's run. I went over you there. You saw the signs and they're like, it's a disaster. Exactly. I saw the signs and I said, this is not going to last. Every show, not for nothing. All the land shows were super sold out. The the, the land uh, base in Vegas is crazy because you had a lot of uh, a lot of Mexicans, a lot of Ecuadorians, a lot of people from California, from LA to come. I did a I did a show with a Canelo and Osuna after a Canelo fight. Like, dude, we put up outrageous numbers for Vegas. Seven hundred thousand dollars at a pool party for Juan. Like, real big. A lot, you know, a lot of Mexican guys, big gamblers that they love, love, love Canelo, bro. They come out for Canelo, sick. Yeah, big time. But but just just in general to like the Latin scene, you know. So then I was like, wait. So then all these guys would see me like, okay. Well, now he did in Miami, and now he did these sixteen shows in Vegas. You could do it anywhere. We're like something's going on here, you know. So so you know this obviously this year has affected me a lot because I was gonna. Although that club had closed uh, at the Palms, I did have another um, venue at the hotel which they were gonna do shows out of, and you know I actually had the official Latin Billboard after party. You know, um, they had re they had reached out to me to to actually host it and find the venue and find the artists and everything. So it was going to be my event, and then I was going to do the Bad Bunny. It was also the same time as the NFL draft, so I was going to have Bunny perform at, at the Palms uh, on that Friday NFL draft. So I mean, yeah, everything has changed, man. You know, I, um, everything's turning virtual now. Um, you know, as far as like that kind of stuff, uh, because everything's turning to apps. 
you know, I had this app named Triller reach out to me and um, I just signed on to be their official, you know, Latin consultant. You know, I, I'm nice. getting all the guys to come on the app. It's like a TikTok short, short uh, form video. And, uh, you know, you go on and every stream that you, you put up counts as a stream on YouTube and, and, and on your tally. So it, it's a really cool app that, you know, that they made to kind of just bring artists together to make artistic videos. Not so much like, you know, little kid videos of dancing, all that kind of stuff. This is to actually promote right. music and to promote your brand as, as an artist. It's more of an adult app. So I'm, I'm helping them now kind of devise a plan to bring the whole Latin community into one. Nice, bro. Nice. Kurt, are you single? I'm not married. No, but I have a girlfriend, you know, two for years. how long? Two years. Two years, bro. Changed my life completely. You know, she really settled me down. Cuban, Cuban girl? No. Uh, yeah, Cuban Dominican. Cuban Dominican. Is yeah. this the one you think? For sure. And uh, you, are you going to get married soon? Do you believe in marriage or no? I do. Um, you know, this year's been a little weird, so we'll see where it goes. But I, I think very. So you soon. picture son, you want to be a father soon or not? For sure, man. That's something I've, I've dreamed of. For a long and especially time. losing your dad so young, I'm sure that's gonna. Yeah. Kurt, what's your favorite type of music? Is it reggaeton? That's all I listen to, man. Like I, I used to be big into hip hop. Like when I was a kid, I thought I was like Eminem. I, I like that's all I would listen to. You know, I went right, to the right, right. stage and the pre Diddy stage and Jay Z and Kanye West and all that. And then as of like 2012, I just turned off everything that wasn't in Spanish. Dude, reggaeton so awesome, man. The beats, how they do it. The, it's just sick, bro. Sick. I'm a big, big, big fan. I don't know too much of it, but I'm a big fan, dude. I'm a big fan. If there's one artist, one song, who do you like? Is it Bad Bunny? Or Ozuna? The thing with Ozuna is Ozuna featuring anybody with Ozuna, you have a hit, bro. That's the problem with that dude. I, I have see. This is a complicated question for me because my my generational favorite artist is Zion from Zion and Lennox because of that bond that I have with him. Is right, right, right. If you look at my Spotify all-time plays, I guarantee you Otra Vez and La Player are number one and two. You know, number both one and two. Songs. But current time, my favorite artist is Anuel. I think Because he's so raw? Or what is it? What yeah, I just... I, I guess, man, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, I, I, I know a lot of these guys on a personal level. And it's not to say that they're all fake or because they're really not. They're, a lot of them are, are really good people. But I don't know, man. I just like when, when you hang out with Anuela, you, like, he, you're just very comfortable in yourself, being yourself. He's always himself, you know, like everything that I've ever been around. That's not to say that, like, Bad Bunny and these guys are not because, bro, Bunny's an amazing person. Right. You know, he, he's a really good dude. Dude, he invited me to go to the Super Bowl with him this year for the halftime show. You know, like I was going with him, working out with him every day for two weeks to get ready for that show physically. Nice. And at the end, he was like, hey, you're going to the Super Bowl? I'm like, I have one ticket. You know what I'm trying to say? He's like, you know, forget the ticket. Give it away. You're coming with me. Like I went with him. He performed. Nice. The we were like, you know, so we have a very great friendship. But, you know, artistically, there's something about, you know, the Anuel's voice and just just – he's my favorite artist at the moment and Bunny's are a very close second, you know, but I'm anybody who knows me knows that I'm an Anuel guy. An Anuel guy. What's your favorite song? His I, to me personally, the one we has uh, with Romeo Santo, that's, that's the number one for me of his bro. That, that, that's the song that the original version of that is the song that I, I, I heard it and I, I called my best friend Eddie 
And I said, Eddie, you gotta listen to this to this song. And he's like, What is? It? I'm like, Get away! It's, it's it's a track. And uh, you know, he had just got out of prison, and I, I, and this whole story had come about because I I believed in the kid when he was in prison. I was trying to buy his tour. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like I I saw this kid coming out of prison, and I already envisioned, you know, like his tour. And this kid was gonna be a superstar. And you know, the numbers just didn't add up, and it, we couldn't work it out. And then you know, he gets out, he puts out this album, it's number one, and I was like. Shit, you know, and then and I started listening to him more and more. And at the time, Bunny was like, you know, Bunny was like a god, you know, like he was Bunny, my favorite artist at the time. And uh, I tell Eddie, I'm like, hey man, you gotta listen to this song. He, this kid's pretty good. And more, I started listening to listen to it. And then he dropped a song called Amanese, which was the second one that wasn't on the album. And I fell in love with Amanese. I would put it on the you know at the club five times a night, you know, and 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 just the evolution of Anuel. And all the stuff that came with it, you know, the sound effects that he does and the dancing, it just just him as a total package. Him and Bunny are really my my those one are the two guys. Well, like those, those are the guys that I really follow now. Kurt, I uh so you're you're 33, right? 32, gonna be 33. So I have let me do the math. I'm 42, I'm 41, you think so that's hold on, Bunny, Kurt. So you're eight, so nine years. Let's say I got nine years on you, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball. Okay, <laughs> but I have a I have a couple gifts. One gift is I uh, I suffer from extreme positivity. That's number one. Number two, I want everybody around me that I can to be happy. And I want everybody to win, man. Is there any question for me, bro? Anything that I can help you with? Anything that that comes to mind? Um, when you say that you want everybody to win, I'm I'm on the same. You know, I'm on the same boat. I'm not one of those guys that hates on the next guy, even if it affects me in, in a certain way. Um, this is something that hasn't happened to me, so I, I want to know if it's happened to you and how you took it. So let's say that you guys are in the same line of work and you guys are friends or you're not friends or whatever, but it's a healthy competition, and this person this person surpasses you and what you do. I mean – I know you, you you say you're happy for them and whatnot, but you know how does it make you feel? Does it does it drive you to push harder and knock him off the top? Do you not really care because you're comfortable in what you're doing? Like what's what's like the step? Because I I know this doesn't last forever. I know somebody's you know can come out of nowhere and knock you off and devise a better plan or a bigger plan or something. So you know I I, I would like to know from your point of view how you feel. You know if somebody surpasses you at some point and you know you're supposed to be happy for them. <laughs> right 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 right. Kurt, you only compete against one person. Kurt, that's the only person that matters. If I try to be like you, I will lose. The reason why I lost in Los Angeles, the reason why I created enemies was because I lied to people to impress them. I would lie to people, a lot of people that you know, super famous people. Yeah, I played with the Yankees, whatever, because I I was embarrassed that I lived in a car. That I, that I had nothing. I would sit at a table with you. Let's say my my best friend owns Sushia at Sasa Plaza. Sushi place? Yeah, yeah. I know Big, right. famous place in Los Angeles. Yeah. I'm sitting there with, bro, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Justin Murdoch from Dole, the Pineapple Cup, billionaires, this, everybody, somebody. And here's this Cuban that lived in a car that didn't know anybody that's giving baseball lessons, bro. If I would have stayed and been myself, and when they got to me, go, hey, bro, what's your story? Listen, man, you guys are all great here. I was in my car, bro. If I could be like any of you guys here, but this is what I got. I'm a positive dude, and I'm cheering all you guys on. If I would have done that, I'd have been a legend. But it was supposed to happen at 41. So I could get on a call right now with Kurt, 
that maybe you might be feeling a little, just maybe, bro, and tell you, bro, what you've done is spectacular. Now, if you compare yourself to, you know, Jerry Weintraub is? No. You'll love that dude. Jerry Weintraub's a guy that made Elvis's career. Wow. And remade Frank Sinatra's career. And then remade a guy named uh, John Denver's career. And then he then he redid Ocean's Eleven, 12, did the producer wow. of that. Did the Karate Kid, Tremenda Besona, Jerry Weintraub. When you compare yourself to the greats is when you lose. When you win is how happy is Kurt? Because now Kurt wants to do what? Bro, you want to start a family? You want to have a successful marriage? The easiest way to win is to be single. The hardest thing to do, bro, is to win with a marriage when you have bad communication. So right now it's about what makes Kurt happy. Right now, you have every artist. If right now the new Anuel goes with Pancho, that has nothing to do with your story because you now come from a place where you value being a dad. You're probably going to want to do sports with your kid. And you think you could be with Bad Bunny in the studio till three in the morning because he has to play at Palmer Park at uh, 9 la mañana. You have a game and you're coaching their base. You know, it's a different vibe. So, yeah. what you want to do right now is okay. Babe, biggest conversation with your chick. What are we going to do? We're going to get married. Then comes the kids. You want to be there. You want That's the biggest thing, bro. Where people fail a lot, especially people that want to be fathers, is they lack in communication with the chick. Because the hardest thing is not to have kids. Guys, we're great dads, especially if you have the heart, is the communication with the woman, bro. Yeah. I got lucky. I got married at 37. With after being single six years in Los Angeles, four in Las Vegas, bro. So I come back to Miami five, four years ago. I've never been to one Miami club since I've came back. Wow. Because I focused on social and helping people of all genres. That's all I do. That's my happiness. We're gonna sit down. I'm gonna tell Josh, we're gonna have lunch, we'll have dinner, us three, we're gonna talk, we'll build a friendship. I'm gonna help you. You're gonna tell me. HP, oh yeah, I want to promote. Can you promote this? I'm going to do whatever for free. I promote it on my channel, promote people. But you want, I want Kurt to stay happy. Yeah, that, I mean, let me tell you, I, that, that, when, when you asked me earlier about like my relationship with my girlfriend and stuff, you know, I was, in that line of work, it's tough, you know? So Are you kidding me? Because it's like you're, all of a sudden, listen, I lived at Bellagio. It's like if you work that live and you live at the Fountain Blue in those towers there, put your body count, whatever it is, add 15 a month easily without you even trying, bro, because you're leaving. Hey, guy. Hey, where are you going? Now nah, I'm going to go home and sleep. Can I go with you? <laughs> like literally, you're going to win by, by osmosis by default, right? But what happens is there's a voice inside each one of us. Call it God. Call it spiritual voice that says, Kurt, you can do more. And it doesn't mean make more money. It means your time here is up. It's going to happen to everybody. Your time here is up. One of the awesome things that Grumman has been able to do is to raise a family yeah. in this chaos. Now, as an owner, as this and that, the girls are still young. It's, it's, it's a mix. But this is hard, bro, because we're every day 
it's like Groundhog's Day, replace, insert girl here. And as long as the machine's going good, bro, it's the best thing of all times. Problem is when you fall in love with either the wrong one or the right one, which happens to anybody, and we don't talk about this as dudes. You only talk about it when it's too late. Yeah. Going, yo, bro, I've been hooking up with this chip. I think she's hooking up with uh, this person, that person. Bro, how can I compete, bro? Now you're in trouble. So that's why the thing of your girl, we've been together for, you said two years? Yeah. Two, two years. Uh, how old is she? She is my age. She's 32. So it's like my chick. We're the same age. So the kid conversation comes quickly with girls in their 30s. You don't want to rush that, but you want to take care of that and be prepared for that because then it becomes, it's hard, bro, because the best part about Kurt is that Kurt's available. Now, it, it changes, bro. And, and that's, so the best thing I could tell you is you're already top in your game. Now it's just opportunities going to keep coming to you. Heavy communication with your girl. Heavy, yeah, like we, heavy. We have great communication, man. And, and she supports me and everything that I do. It doesn't matter what it is. I tell her, hey, listen, Osuna called me at 10 o'clock at night to go play basketball in West Kendall, you know, which happens all the time, you know, and, and hell yeah, and, and I go and I, and I spend my three hours there and I play my basketball and I come home and you know and she's waiting for me and she's awake, you know. She actually has a four-year-old son who's like my son too, you know, like he's back and forth. Awesome. Does he play baseball? No, no, not yet. We're we're gonna get him into sports soon, but you know, he he's ever since I met him, you know, he's been like my son and I got you. Listen, whenever for free, whenever <laughs> you need anything, and then I have a, so I have an I have. I'm the first influencer to sign with uh, Rawlings. Oh, nice. So, like an example, I have a bunch of these, but look, see the, see the logo? Yes. Yeah, so, custom glove and with New Balance. So, I get all gear, everything. So, we'll hook, we'll hook them up. That's awesome. With stuff and, and, and stuff like that. You have one kid already then. Yes. Yeah, so, that's, that's your dude. Exactly. Then you're going to have maybe another one. Hopefully, it's a girl. So, you got the mix. <laughs> that's it, bro. That's yeah. the move, man. And, you know, it's like one of those things where, like, it's a sacrifice to go out with me to do what I have to do and go to a dinner or go to out with me or go to a concert. Because I mean, before pre-COVID, we were going to February was like the craziest month ever for me. You know, we really we went to Aspen. I went to the Chicago All-Star game. I came nice. back to a Bad Bunny's album release party. And we had Anuel, Carol G, Bunny, Becky G that night. Like, I live, et cetera. Like, that, that whole month was like insane and then march came and was like all right that month was so crazy the world's gonna end you know so but like she has to take time away from you know being from her son and she has such a great balance of, of the things she does because she doesn't you know it's not like we, we leave him we don't see him for a week you know like she sees him you know four days and three days and four days it's, it's like a good mix but it's like one of those things where like she never abandons him at any point because we're traveling or because we're doing this nice bro but nice he has like a very good balance when it comes to that you know Awesome, bro. Awesome, awesome. That's it, bro. That's what I would do, man. I wouldn't worry about anything else. You have an incredible story. You have an incredible reputation. Mindset is everything. Yeah. The, 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 the three things we can control. Man, when I speak, this is all I talk about. Your effort and your attitude. All I've heard from you in an hour 15 that we've been talking, tremendous effort, tremendous attitude. I don't care where you're from, what you look like, tall, short, those two things you could always bring to the table. And then the third one, which I just added probably like two months ago, expectations. 
bro, managing expectations. You're the man in Vegas. You, you, the palms, we lost the palms. Okay. Can I control that? I can't. Did I try my best? Absolutely, bro. Yeah. You keep those three things. Forget yeah, about that, it. that was, you know, it was a change for me because I, I dedicated an entire year to these people, you know? Yeah, bro. And it was, you know, daily phone calls. And, you know, I made friends with the with the president. And I made friends with the creative director. And I felt like I was a part of that hotel as much as everybody else was with the time and the effort that I that I put in. And it was like, and, you know, when I got taken away and it was like, look, you know, we're going to be opening this party anymore. I, you know, I, I didn't give up. You know, I was looking for the next opportunity, you know. Uh, every club and hotel was calling me from over there. But, nice. you know, it, it was something that, like, because the formula worked, you know. So it was something that, like, I told them, I was like, if you guys have no intention of reopening, then I'll look for somewhere else to go. Right. If there's some, you know, intention of reopening either the club or the theater or the, the bar upstairs or whatever, like, I, this is, you guys are my guys. You guys are the first ones to give me an opportunity. Bro, who would have ever thought, you know, like I would have never thought that I would have done so many shows in Vegas in a year, you know, right. and, and all these big events. They gave me the opportunity. I, I don't forget that. I'm very, I'm very big on, you know, sticking to the people who were with you from the beginning. 100%. I, I've put out people that I've known for 32 years of my life, my entire life, because, you know, at the end of the day, they, they showed me that they were who I thought they were. And and I've cut out and, and you know, I treat somebody that I met. Yesterday, maybe like somebody who I've known for 30 years because I get that energy and I get that positivity and I, and I feel like I'm very good at judging people. That's that's one thing that God gave me. Uh, awesome, bro. That's a good gift. That's a big gift. The second that I shake your hand, I don't know if you're full of shit or like, if, right. if, you know, I have I have that intuition to know what's what, you know, and right. I think that and, you know, there's people that I haven't known for very long that, that, I, that I trust with more than people that I've known for, you know, my entire life, like I said, and, and there's people who have helped me in the last three years, you know, and I've never been envious of me and have only pushed me, you know, for the better. Like, like that guy that I told you about Paco, you know, there's, there's people like that that I really owe a lot to. Cause you know, I was just this 29, 30 year old kid with that knew a couple people to turn into, you know, that 32 year old guy who knows everybody. And now is, is really here to stay, you know? And, and if it wasn't for people like that, who extended their hand to me and introduced me and, you know, were, were gave me, you know, gave me the knowledge and, and, and the sight to, to, to seek like the way to go. You know, I, I wouldn't be where I am today, you know, dude. And then just help as many people as you can, bro. Cause we don't as Latin dudes with the testosterone and the machismo, especially being Cuban, we don't, <laughs> we don't do that a lot, man. We like kind of head bunt, unfortunately with situations that are, so the more you help, the more you, when people, I'm going to do a big rant, a big thing on, two wrongs don't make a right with a lot of things that I'm seeing now, bro, with the cops, with people and just reacting the wrong way. And it's just, even though that person's being wrong. And then you see that a lot in the streets now, because at a store, two wrongs don't make a right. And it sucks because you're always like, Coño, do I always have to be the one? Can I have to be the nice guy? I have to be nice guy. But the more you're that, the longer you're going to win, dude. I, I, I start going to lucha with things, you know, like yep. I, I used to get so riled up about so many things. Like, you know, I used to be, I used to be the running joke that I was the guy on the sports team that you didn't want to play with. I was good, but I, you know, I was going to chew you out if you did something wrong. Like I, I was that guy, you know, and, and, and I've toned that down a lot. Cause you know, a lot of people frown upon that. And as much as it can be my friends and, you know, they're not going to hate me and my best friends, you know, like, right, right, right. they're going to stop talking to me, but it's like, yeah, at some point that, that, that gets old, you know, I still uh, like to hold it. I still like to make fun of people. And like, that's yeah, my yeah. way of showing love. Like I, that I actually 
like you. Like if I don't make fun of you, I, I probably you don't, don't like. You. <laughs> that's just the way my group is. You know, Josh, Danny, Squints, Roman, and other man Eddie. Like all Columbus guys, except for Eddie. You know, we're really, really tight, and that's just the way I was brought up. You know, like just to to take it on the chin and and keep it moving. You're the man, bro. Listen, I I couldn't be more thankful for you giving me your time, bro. For for being super honest stuff, you have a great story. You got great talent, bro, and you're you're gonna keep uh, crushing it. Stay on. I'm gonna I'm gonna end the the broadcast now, so I could talk to you for a second thereafter and say the goodbye the right way. But this is my man, Kurt. Kurt, what's your last name? Abwa. Yes, yeah, right. There's a Lebanese, a little ish there. My man, Kurt. From it's called Mentirosas. My brand that's is right, Mentirosa. 88 Entertainment is the name of my company. It's kind of like my talent agency that I run everything under. 88 represents my dad's favorite number, which um, you know, he just liked eight. He was born January 8th, and his favorite number was 88. So I got Bro, I was born January 7th. No way. Yes, sir. I'm January 7th, dude. I was born January 8th, and um, his number favorite number was always 88. So I named it after him for 88. Nice, bro. Nice. All right, dude, we're going to plug you. You don't like social, but we're going to plug whatever event you have, anything. I'll put all stuff in the bottom. Sure. This guy's laying low, but not laying. He's laying low, but when it counts, he's popping up. That's the thing, man. I like to be behind the scenes. I'm not one of those guys that post. I probably have a folder in my phone with 200 pictures that, to me, are irreplaceable with some of the the people that I respect, you know, just in every aspect of life that, you know, I have for my personal Pleasure, you know. I, I don't want to put it on Instagram and nice. Yeah, I, I, I gain followers every day, and I, I think to myself, I'm like, why do people follow me? You know, like maybe an artist followed me, so they'll go on the list liking everybody's right, 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 right. But like, you know, I, I've never been one to like show off what I'm doing or, or anything like that. Like, I, I've always been very low key, and all those pictures and experiences that I have are, are for me and for my family, for my friends to so enjoy. As Josh will tell you, I'm the first one that gets like an amazing picture with somebody or something whatever and i fired off to my crew you know but like i don't need the rest of the world to see that you don't you know? want the world to see it i like to be behind the scenes all right dude we're gonna keep in touch for sure brother appreciate Perfect. it mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.